The Holy Gospel according to St. John. The risen Christ appears again to his disciples by the sea where they were first called. After echoes of the fishing and feeding miracles, he gives a final reminder of the cost of disciples' love and obedience. From John chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you no, have you no fish, have you? They answered, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked and jumped into the lake. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they had not been far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish so that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he had been raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. The second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said this a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Please pray with me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, as we continue in this Easter season, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our salvation. 
Amen. Today's gospel reading is chucked full, as I like to say, of all kinds of things. But it brings a special meaning to me because oh, it's been 40-something years ago when I was back in the seminary, and I was in my last year. You know, when you're in your last year of any school, you have to write one of those things called a thesis and have all that research and all that other stuff for those of you that may have experienced that. And back then when I was working on my Master of Divinity degree, I had to write a thesis. And I was working with a professor, Professor Roining, who was the head of liturgical, the liturgical department at the seminary. And we were deciding what kind of thesis would I write and what would I write on. And he said to me, I have an idea. John chapter 21, the meal that Jesus has with his disciples. There's something in history about that meal. Why don't you do your research and figure out what was what? How are you going to argue with your professor? So I began to dig into John chapter 21 and this meal that Jesus has with his disciples this, this simple breakfast, not exactly my type of breakfast, bread and fish, but this breakfast that he has with his disciples. And I began to delve into all the research and everything else, and lo and behold, I found that in the ancient church, way back, before the church even began to think about celebrating that other meal that we celebrate, this meal was there. And they called it the resurrection meal. Kind of interesting. That even before we gathered and celebrated the sacrament, which we all call the Eucharist, our Holy Communion, the very early church picked up on this meal of today's gospel reading. And they celebrated it. In fact, my thesis was, I decided we ought to be celebrating that meal. And I wrote a whole thesis and I wrote a whole liturgy focusing on the resurrection meal. I think it's somewhere still in the archives of the seminary. I could never convince any of the congregations I was in to have a meal of fish and bread early in the morning. But that meal meant so much to the disciples. That whole incident in John chapter 21 meant so much to the disciples. Remember, Jesus, this is the third appearance of Jesus to his disciples. And you remember, he appears to them the first two times in a locked room. They're afraid. Their lives have been, everything has changed. Their lives are all, they're all locked in. And Jesus appears to them. And you all know what he says to them. And he says, peace be with you. But this time, it's not a locked room. This time, if you begin to pay attention to it, their lives have seemed somewhat to return to what we call 
normal. They were going out and they were going to be fishermen. They were returning to their normal activities of life. And in the midst of not locked rooms, not in the midst of anything that seemed out of the ordinary, but in the midst of ordinary life, returning to the ordinary moments of their life, Jesus appears to them. Ah. Is there something there to speak to you and to me? Sometimes I think whether we lock ourselves in, sometimes we find ourselves locked into rooms or locked into the moments of life, and we ask, we want Jesus to come in, and we want Jesus to say, peace be with you. But have we ever paid attention that in the moments of normal life, in the moments when things are just going in what I would like to call our own routines of life, Jesus still comes. It doesn't have to be that sacred moment. It doesn't have to be that moment when suddenly we, 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 we really aren't sure what's happening or we're afraid or whatever else. Yes, Jesus comes in those moments, but I think this whole meal, this whole encounter says we need to be reminded that the resurrected Lord comes to us in the very normal moments of life that we live. Not just in those special moments we like to remember or in those moments of fear, but in everyday life, Jesus appears with us and to us. And did you notice the text? It's, it's, it's a fascinating text. I'm not even going to talk about Peter. I want you to hear this text in its beauty. Jesus appears to his disciples. They're doing normal things. And as they're doing the normal things, guess what? Things aren't working out the way they think they ought to. They're back to life. They're going out fishing, and they're out there fishing, and guess what? They don't catch any. Now, you could imagine what they were feeling. Any, anybody here like to go fishing? Yeah. And how do you feel if you don't catch any? Some of you might say, yeah, but most of us will, uh, you know. We feel like we need to accomplish something. I mean, yeah, a lot of times you like to go fishing and you like the, you know, the quietness and all the rest of that stuff. But, you know, we are people, we are people in our lives who like to have something productive. We need to produce something. We need to experience something. So those disciples, they were, they were you know, this is a, geez, they, they, they come on shore, and, and I love what Jesus says. Did you catch anything? Now, you know very well, he knew they didn't catch anything. Did you catch anything? And then you, those guys are the fishermen, any women are, then the, then the guy, the guy on the shore says, oh, well, you've been fishing in the wrong ways. Or you've been fishing in the wrong spot. Oh, come on now. 
Jesus says to them. He doesn't. He's not putting them down. He knows what they feel. He knows what they're experiencing. He knows what's happening in their lives. And all he says to them is what? Cast your net on the other side. Do you ever feel that in your life? Do you ever feel you were trying something so hard and you were experiencing something that you, that, that you know you've always done, you've always done it, and quote, we've always done it that way and we've always tried it that way and suddenly it just doesn't seem to satisfy, it just doesn't seem to make us connect or anything else and, and we kind of feel like, <sighs> and somebody else may come along in our lives and say to us, why don't you try this? And as hesitant as sometimes we are, and we try it, guess what? Oh, I was thinking about our granddaughter the other night. Any of you that know any children at all, they either love everything that you want to eat, everything are devoured all, or they become what we call picky eaters. And we had meatballs and spaghetti, and Carol made the meatballs. But Kendall doesn't like meatballs. So we're sitting there. And Kendall, would you like, no, I don't, I don't, you know how they go. So Carol says to her, Kendall, I made these. Why don't you just try a taste? Guess who ate most of the meatballs? Doesn't that happen? You know, I can kid about children and all that. Doesn't it happen in sometimes in our lives? You see, what Jesus was challenging them to do was move out of the norm. Move out of what you think. And if you've experienced something that maybe didn't work, maybe you ought to try something else. Or maybe you need to look at it another way. And guess what happens? Abundance. 153 fish. I can't even imagine dragging in 153 fish. And then the miracle of miracles is that many fish in their nets didn't even, what, break the nets at all. God's abundance in the midst of normal life. I sometimes wonder, doesn't that doesn't that apply to you and me? We go into the normancy of life. We live those things every day. We get into our normal daily routines and all the rest of that stuff. And you know what? Sometimes it's just like, uh-huh. And then when things don't happen, uh-huh. and Jesus comes and says, did you catch any fish? Throw the net on the other side. Maybe you need to look somewhere else. Maybe you need to try something that you haven't tried before. And be prepared. For you might find the abundance of God there. And I think it was that abundance and that meeting and that all the rest of that that happened with those disciples that caused the early church to focus on that meal because guess who was doing the cooking? 
Jesus, not the disciples. God was preparing a meal with the abundance of what was the given there. And even though we're not celebrating it this morning, we don't gather it. And, and I want to tell you, for me in my life, and when I went through that liturgy, and when I began to understand what that meal meant to the early church, it was, was a changing moment in my life. And you know, I grew up in one of those churches where we had communion about once a month. Some of you might remember that. That's after we moved from four times a year to once a month, and that was, that was drastic. It was from that moment on that I thought, you know, we ought to be having that meal every time we gather together. Because maybe it's not who did the cooking, but who gave his life. And isn't that what we're about? Isn't that the abundance of God's grace for you and me each day of our lives? That meal was life-changing for them. That meal allowed them to begin to understand not only that he, he was risen and that he lived, but the, the abundance of what God gives us is far beyond any that you and I can even begin to imagine. And that maybe sometimes we miss the abundance because we're not looking. We're not experiencing where he asks us to look and experience. So for you, well, we're not having the meal this morning. We have a schedule and we follow it. But we do have it every week. And next time you come up to this table, Jesus didn't cook it. He gave it his own body, his own blood for you and for me. And the next time you get into one of those routines, and come on, every one of us has them. We all have. In fact, last night, Carol and I were talking about the ride up and down the road. And I said, you know, it's almost becoming routine to drive that 250 miles. And then she says to me, she says, but you know, did you pay attention that the last time we came up on Friday, she said, you notice we noticed something we didn't see before on all those drives? Uh-huh. And isn't that what life needs to be about for us, my friends? That every day we get into our routines, we get into everything, and we miss the abundance of the grace of God that surrounds you and I every single day. Did you catch any? Throw the net on the other side. Come eat. Here's some fish. Here's some bread. The abundance and the grace of God. For you and for me. Now here, with that in mind, the words of the verse that you all know so well. God so loved the world that he, 
Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.